0: of 1 Samuel today, 1 Samuel chapter 1, dealing with Hannah and Samuel. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to give a little advice. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what you need to buy, but I have been. uh, I felt the extreme frigid temperatures for a long period based on poor presents. And so I'm not going to tell you what to buy, But I am going to tell you what not to buy Uh, because this is Mother's Day. And if you've not gotten your wife or your mother, and if you don't think they're interchangeable in in their mind, you're wrong. Uh, So I want to give you some ideas of what not to buy just real quickly. Everything's on sale right now. By the time you get out of here, everything will be half price. It'll be wonderful. It'll be great. All right. Number one, don't buy anything that plugs in. That's called utilities. (laughs) Number two, don't involve and buy clothing that involves sizes. Uh, The chance are one in 7,000 that you'll get her right size. And your wife will be offended the other 6,999 times. Do I look like a size 16? She'll say. Too small doesn't work either. I hadn't worn a size 8 in 20 years, so no clothes. Avoid all things useful. That new silver polish on the internet that saves hundreds of hours is not gonna win you any brownie points. (laughs) Number four, don't involve anything, don't buy anything that involves weight loss or self improvement. That'll lead her to believe you think she's overweight and healthy. Number five, this is very important don't buy jewelry. The jewelry your wife wants you can't afford, (laughs) and the jewelry you can afford your wife don't want. (laughs) Number six, guys do not fall into the traditional trap of buying her frilly underwear. Your idea of the kind your wife should wear and what she actually wears are light years apart. Finally, don't spend too much. How do you think we're going to afford that, she'll ask. But don't spend too little. She won't say say anything, but she'll think, is that what I'm worth? I just thought I'd give that to you just to kind of be a blessing to you today. Amen? (laughs) All right. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 1. And uh, would you please stand in honor of God's holy, inspired, inherent, all-sufficient word. Thank you so much for all those who had a part in the service today. Marvelous. It was wonderful. Now there was a certain man. Oh, well, we don't even need to read verses 1. Uh, let's just go to 2. I'm tired of pronouncing all those words. I've done that twice. That's enough. Get, get the early service. Number 2 said, He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other, Paniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons, Eli, Hopni and Phanias, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters, portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her Hannah, Why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up early after they had eaten in Shiloh, after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. She vowed a vow, said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man child then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. And there shall no razor come upon his head. Father, thank you today. How blessed to be in this house of worship. I pray this day that, Lord, uh, your spirit would have freedom to deal with every one of us. We are all in, have different needs. We have different burdens. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'll just deal with each one of us. That we won't leave the same way that we came in. Lord, thank you. For all the blessings you've given us. We pray, bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, May 9th, 1991, we're not used to Congress doing very many things constructive, but in, in 1941, the Congress, under the direction of President Woodrow Wilson, did a good thing. They proclaimed the second Sunday of May as Mother's Day. And it's a day for public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. And we praise God for our mothers. If you go back and look through biographies of the great men that have uh, helped forge this country forward, you'll find that almost every one of them would give credit to a mother who knew how to pray, a mother who encouraged, a mother who taught their children right from wrong. So we thank God for mothers. Without them, we wouldn't be where we are today. I want to also thank God for uh, single mothers, single moms. You have a double hard job. It's hard enough raising a child and children with a mother and daddy. It's super hard as a single. But our prayers are with you. We want to encourage you and strengthen you every way we possibly can. And then I want to thank God this morning For the mothers who have already gone to be with our Lord. Uh, Sometimes uh, just to hear your mother just say a couple of sentences. My, what a blessing that would be. And one day we'll get to hear that. One day we'll see Jesus face to face. And I think we'll see those who've gone on before us also. Everybody says, do you think we'll know know people up there? J. Vernon McGee says that we won't be any dumber in heaven than we are down here on earth. <laughs> so, yes, sir, I think we'll know people up there, and I think we'll know them on a first-name basis. Now, getting into the message here, uh, we come three just three simple things. Number one, we notice here in verse 2 that Hannah is barren. She doesn't have any children. She desires a children. This is a great burden for her, not having children You remember in these biblical days, it was a disgrace for a wife not to have children. And she was looked upon as being incomplete, as not fulfilling her God-given role. It's not that Hannah didn't want children. I think she wanted children. She was just barren. We talk about how cruel children can be. Let me tell you, this instance is how cruel adults can be. Adults can be. Also, Penina, uh, she had children, and yet she provoked Hannah. Every chance, she probably brought it up. Well, you haven't been able to give our husband any children. You, you know, continually provoking her. Uh, And I know that Hannah, probably the least thing she ever looked forward to was going to the house of the Lord every year. Because she got to see, can you imagine her sitting out there watching uh, Peninnah's children playing and laughing and cutting up and all of that, knowing she had none? So Hannah was barren. Second thing, though, I note here is Hannah was burdened. She was burdened. The Bible says in verse 10, she was bitterness of soul, wept in anguish. Verse 11, while praying, referred to her affliction. In verse 15, she said, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. We're talking about a lady here that's living in anguish. She's living in pain. She's living in grief. I wonder, I don't think I need to ask the question today, are you carrying a burden? Most of us in this room are probably carrying a burden the question would be, what kind of burden are you carrying? I mean, for you, it may be like Hannah. Yours may be a family burden. You may be wanting children and that hadn't happened yet. You may have children and they're being rebellious, a child or grandchild or maybe a youth uh, that's rebellious and and, 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 and it's a great burden on your heart. Young people, you're not going to understand this until you get married and you have children of your own. Suddenly, the blanks are going to fill in. You're going to understand what parents go through. Maybe today you've got a financial burden. You're living from paycheck to paycheck. You see inflation going higher and higher and higher. I told the men yesterday at men's breakfast, this is probably the last time you'll get bacon. Uh, I just tell you right now, somebody's gonna have to kill a hog, and uh, 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 to supply the bacon. It's 49.95 to feed the men bacon yesterday. So, anyway, we'll see what we can do. Maybe some ladies will feel sorry for us and give a special offering. Uh, but <laughs> you know, the, the mortgage is coming around, and insurance is skyrocketing, and and then it, you know, schools. Uh, I, I don't ever remember as a kid uh, having so much to buy when we were in school. Uh, that's what we considered that we paid taxes for uh, to purchase the uh, materials and to provide school and somehow or another. And in Texas, bless God, we were promised also, some of y'all old enough to remember it, we were promised if we just had Uh, The the gambling down here had the lottery that our schools would have money overflowing. I hadn't seen any of that any time lately. Maybe today you've got a a burden on your job or unemployment. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've been faithful for years and years, and yet someone comes in and says, a company's going to shut down, we're going to do this. We've got several minds around us that are projected to close down. My prayer is we'll have a new leader, and he'll open every mind we got up. Amen? Uh, but, but, but those are burdens. Those are burdens we have. Maybe yours is a health burden. Uh, it, maybe it might not be your health. Maybe it's someone in your family's health. We, we've seen four precious, precious ladies go to be with the Lord in the last week. Four. Precious ladies. Uh, They're on the other side. It's bittersweet. We know they're better off, and I know all that stuff. But I don't care if they're 90 years old, you're never ready to to let them go. So, So, what are we to do with our burdens? Are we to grin and bear it? Are we just to suck it up and hang on and try to get through to the next? Well, I'll tell you what Hannah did with her burden she took it to the Lord. My goodness, isn't that a hoot? She took it to the Lord. Notice with me in verse 10, her prayer to the Lord. She was in bitterness of soul. Did she blame God? No. She was in bitterness of soul. Did she curse God? No. The text says she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord. She took her burden to the Lord. Hey, God is a way maker. He's a burden lifter. He'll lift you up if you'll take your burden to the Lord. The psalmist said in Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. In Matthew 11:28, 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. He goes on to say in verse 30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hannah had a burden that was out of control. She was barren, had a burden that was out of control, and the only way to take it is to take it before the Lord. She never wavered in her prayer life. Listen, she didn't go one time and say, Lord, this is what I need. She consistently, never wavered, consistently, over and over, praying, praying. Somebody said, if you can't sleep, count sheep. I say, if you can't sleep, talk to the shepherd. I mean, the sheep are already asleep, so just go ahead and talk to the shepherd. Amen? He's around 24 hours a day. Hannah, fervent in her praying, faithful in her praying, focused in her praying, and she prayed specifically. We don't do that much. We don't like to pray specifically because that determines whether our prayers get answered. See, if we just pray, Lord, would you bless us today, bless this food and bless us, well, we, at the end of the day, what's your God's blessing? Well, sure, God bless us. well it's, a, it's a successful prayer. We just pray. No, 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 no. She didn't pray, Lord, give me a child. She didn't pray, Lord, give me a healthy child. She didn't pray, Lord, give me a child with all his parts. She said, Lord, give your maid servant a male child. Now, that's putting God on the spot. She's praying specifically for something. Listen, don't, if you've got problems in your life, don't dance around all those problems. God already knows what they are. Pray specifically for those problems. Count on God to answer those problems. Are you praying specifically? Matthew 7, ask, it shall be given unto you. John 16, 24, ask, you shall receive. James 4, 2, you have not because you ask not. Ask the Lord specifically. And then in first, verse 15, she pours out her soul before the Lord. Let me ask you, when's the last time you poured out your soul before the Lord? I'm talking about God with with maybe in a closet, maybe in a bedroom, maybe in your car, maybe out in the woods. But you just said, Lord God, I've got to have a meeting with you. I've got to get a hold of you. I want to pour out my soul to you. God's waiting on that. And then, she not only prayed, she made a promise. She made a promise. She said in verse 11, she made a vow. Lord, if you'll indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, remember me, not forget your maidservant, but give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor shall come upon him. That, that simply refers back to Numbers chapter 6. That's the Nazarite vow. And uh, those Nazarites were people who were separated for God. He was going to be a Nazarite all the days of the vow of his separation there. And uh, uh, Hannah was promising God. Now listen, we know a mama can't call or shouldn't call a son to the ministry. Amen? Amen. We don't need any mama-called preachers in the pulpit. We got enough of those. We need some who will stand up and call the Word of God the Word of God. So you can't, mamas can't call. I'm not saying that. She's saying here that, God, if you give me a son, I'm going to do everything I can uh, to, to make sure that son serves you and it belongs to you and is going to follow you all the days of his life. Uh, God can use the prayers of a mother to help call her son into the ministry. Over the last 50 years, I praise God for the young people that I've seen go into the ministry, and they're ministering now, and praise God. But I couldn't count them on my hands the number of times that good, godly young people would come back from a youth camp, and they'd be all excited and say, God, called me to this, and I'm going to go to missions, or I'm going to work with college students, or I'm going to be a pastor, or I'm going to be a youth director, and get home, and, and a mom and daddy sit down and say, uh, you know, you can't make a lot of money doing that. You, you need a better job than that. I mean, that's stressful. Nobody respects those people anymore. I mean, I'm not lying. They don't respect, you don't, people don't respect pastors anymore. Not like it was 40 years ago. Man, you say, how do you know? Because I was there then. (laughs) I know what happened. Man, I I remember the days when evangelists come to town and the entire sawmill would shut down. So the evangelists could go through and shake hands with everybody in the sawmill. I remember that. They still do that in Kenya, by the way. When I was there several years ago, they'd shut down brick plants and everything. just to, And i say, well, I don't want to make anybody upset. What, what can I say? Say anything. Tell them about Jesus. Tell you anything you want to say. Wow. I think sometimes we are too busy trying to make our child to become the next sport hero or the next beauty queen when in reality... The character of God is more important than all of that. Right. Hannah offered up a prayer, but she also offered up a promise. And then she made the vow. Now, you've got to be careful with vows. Ecclesiastes 5 tells us don't be rash with your mouth, let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. Uh, and then he goes on to say when you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Hey, what you have vowed, it's better not to vow than to vow and not pray. Mm. Mm-mm. Hannah was barren. She's got a big problem. Hannah was burdened. Let me just close with this. Hannah was blessed. <laughs> Thank God, as Paul Harvey would say for the rest of the story. Amen. She was blessed. The blessing begins in verse 19. They rose up early in the morning and closing it out there. Hannah conceived, bore a son, called his name Samuel, saying, because I asked for him from the Lord. His name is an answer to prayer. Can you imagine that? Every time she said, Samuel, come on for supper, she was saying, God answers prayer. Samuel, get up in the morning. God answers prayer. That's what Samuel means. Samuel, let's do this. God answers prayer. She continually is saying, God answers prayer. Well, did she keep her promise? The Bible says in verse 24, she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. child was young, and they slaughtered a bull, brought the child to Eli, and he said, "Oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition. Therefore, I've given him to the Lord as long as he lives He shall be given to the Lord so they worship the Lord there now here's the key that I think uh, kind of redoes everything in this scripture according to what I've been able to dig through and dig out I don't think Levi or anybody else knew the promise and the vow that Hannah had made to God Eli doesn't he's just standing there you know none of the other priests does no, no one knows that. You say, well, what difference does that make? Because it would have been real easy for her to just say, hey, nobody here knows that I vowed I was going to give God that. Nobody, nobody knows that. I vowed to God that. I promised God I was going to do that, but that's been several years ago, and nobody really remembers it or anything. We're just going to keep quiet and going to keep on going. Not Hannah. Because Hannah knew God knew. Yeah. You listen, now, this may be a day, instead of Mother's Day, this may be a day where you need to go back and remember what you promised God. <laughs> Maybe a day where you say, hey, I guess I have messed up. God's had mercy and let me live this long. That's more than he did for Ananias and Sapphira. So how did Hannah turn out? How did Samuel? Well, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Wow. The Lord revealed himself to Samuel. You know what our nation needs today? What our homes need today? What our churches need today? Mothers like Hannah who influenced their children to be soldiers of the Lord, who told their children, hey, you can do this, and you can run here, and you can have fun here. There's nobody saying you can't do any of that, but I want to tell you, I'm afraid some of us have made it fragrantly clear to our children that God is not the most important thing in our lives. And I want to tell you, that's what we need more than anything else. Mothers, do yourself a favor. Do your family a favor. Do your church a favor. Do your nation a favor. Influence your children for the Lord Jesus Christ. G. Campbell Morgan was, I think, probably one of the greatest preachers. Don't look up his sermons. I use half of them. They would call that plagiarism. (laughs) No, He's a tremendous, uh, tremendous man of God, and he had four sons, and all four of his sons were ministers also, and they were at a, a family reunion. All the sons were gathered there with the daddy and all, and they were in the room having a good time. And a, a newspaper guy came in because all the family was there from town, and they wanted to do a little story. And he looked over at the the oldest son, Howard, and because uh, he knew all four of those sons just thought their daddy walked on water. I mean, he was just great. And he said, Howard, who's the greatest preacher in this family? And I mean, immediately, Howard looked at his daddy, G. Campbell Morgan. And then he said this without beating, Mama, (laughs) Mama, I want to tell you something, Mama, you still rock the cradle. I mean, you, you, you go to a football game and you see this old boy, he, he, he looks like he come off of, well, anyway, he'll say, I love mama. You don't ever see any of them say, I love daddy. There ain't one of them on there. It's mama. Hey, mama. I mean, here's this guy that's done killed 18 people, and his mama says he was a good boy. He loves his mama. Mamas, you have the responsibility, but you also have the privilege. Of enjoying those kids. But I remind you, I remind you again, that everything belongs to the Lord. None of it's ours. It may be here this morning that you're sitting here and you're thinking, how can I really help my family? I'm gonna tell you how you can help them. First thing, daddy or son, uncle, whoever you are, the first thing is you can invite Jesus to take over your life. If you're not saved, Forget about helping your family. You're not going to help them. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going. No, you're not. No, there's only one way to help your family, and that's spiritually through the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to help your family? Get saved today. That will help your family. You say, how do I do that? You you just come admit you're a sinner and invite Christ to take over your life and your heart. Now, you got to repent of your sins. I, I'm not talking about easy believism. I, I, I'm not an idiot. I... Half the people that come down and make a decision, they're they're not going to follow through with the Lord. The Lord says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Yet you you try to keep his commandments, and people say, well, y'all are a bunch of white right-wing bigots. You're just legalistic. No, we're just trying to keep the commandments that God said keep. He's the one who said keep the commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a word. You get saved. Maybe you are saved. Maybe you need to come to this altar and just bring your wife or children. Just say, look, I messed up. God hadn't been everything. Not every ounce of my energy has gone toward God. And I can't do a lot about what has happened. But I can do what is about to happen. I still believe with all my heart that God is more interested in our future than he is in our past. The cross took care of our past. I think he wants us to do everything we can to draw near to him. Father, thank you this morning for letting us come and worship you. Thank you, Father, for just the word of God. Thank you for the example of Samuel and of Hannah. And Lord, thank you for answering prayer. Lord, I know you answer prayer still today. And maybe today, God, over this congregation, there are those that need prayers answered. They've got burdens on their heart. Lord, they're hurting, and they're in anguish, and they're grieving. And, oh, God, would you just reach down and touch them and draw them close to you today. Have your sweet will in every person's life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand together? Brother Aaron leads us.